You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hello everyone, it's Connie and welcome to another episode of Awaken Radio. It is beautiful to be here with you as always. I have an incredible conversation in store for you today and I feel like this is going to be so powerful for a lot of you who uh, are working through your relationship with yourself and really wanting to dive into more practices around self-love, feeling confident, feeling good about yourself because the woman that I'm speaking with today is an absolute master and specialist in this type of stuff. So this is going to be a really, really powerful conversation for you. I am chatting with Debbie Spellman, who desires to live in a world where women recognize their inherent value, conquer feelings of low self-worth, and no longer hold themselves back out of fear of rejection, a time where women choose to live with integrity and authenticity and give themselves permission to discover and live out their unique God-given purpose. She is on a mission to redefine how women see themselves by eliminating self-loathing and guiding them towards kindness, respect, and acceptance in who they are inside and out. Debbie is a master trainer for the Mind Detox Academy in Australia facilitating the internationally award-winning Mind Detox Method practitioner training for those who desire to make a positive difference in the lives of others. And when she's not creating and cultivating purpose-filled dreams, you can find her immersed in a good book at a local organic store on a girl date with her treasured friends or enjoying time with Mr. B, her hubby, and their furry baby, Jed. And you can find out more from Debbie at uh, debbiespellman.com, and I'll post a link to her website along with this audio. So, Debbie, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Ah, oh, it's going to be such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm super excited about our, about our conversation. Me too. <laughs> yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be really powerful. So, you know, just to open up, because I know you've got so much to share and you've got so much experience in, in working with women in this area, but so many of us come to this work because of our own journey, our own things that we've had to overcome and then we've learnt firsthand and we now kind of teach it to others. So I'm kind of curious what your experience has been over the years of how you've kind of come into doing the work that you do. And, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about self-worth today. So sort of how that journey has played out for you as well. Mm, Absolutely. Well, as I share on my website in my about section where I just air all my baggage, my it sounds worse than it is, but on the inside, it was bad for me. I was just struggling with self-worth and scarcity mindset, and life always felt like a struggle. Even though on the outside, I felt really confident and I acted really confident, on the inside, I had a huge amount of insecurities, lack of self-worth issues, and the way it showed up for me um, was when I started looking back over my life when I was 28 and I really started delving into my internal world, I recognized that the most traumatic or lowest points in my life were when I compromised myself for others. So the very first example I remember was when I was 16 and I would restrict my food so much so that I would get skinnier and therefore appear prettier so the guys would like me, which now just sounds insane. But at the time, that was so my reality. I so wanted to be liked and accepted by others. And then in my 20s, I ended up staying in a relationship for far too long. Probably it was a seven-year relationship, probably five years too long because I didn't trust myself. I didn't. I had a huge amount of fear around the unknown. I didn't speak up in that relationship. I, I absolutely claim um, part of the reason why it broke down because I never communicated my values. I never respected myself. And then the last kind of blow to my self-esteem was when I had a business partner and she was very intimidating and this is around age 27, I found her very intimidating and manipulative and I would just shrivel in her presence. Mm. And so for me, I could never communicate what I stood for or my values. I could never stand up for the staff and that, um, and to the point where I actually couldn't resign. I had my resignation letter in my bag for three months and I couldn't bring myself to face her and resign. So that was the final straw for me where when I looked back, I thought, I'm never going to allow anyone to compromise my worth and value again. And I started to really focus in on this subject called self-worth because I recognized both in myself, my friends and the women I'm now working with, we 
we so decide for others and it only leaves us feeling worse and it doesn't benefit our life path. So that's kind of what got me here. Wow. You know, there, there's so many different facets to the way that that inner struggle that you're talking about played out. I can relate to a lot of that actually, particularly with my body as well. And I would say you probably see this with the women you work with. A lot of young women, their feeling within themselves of their worth and their value is based on physical appearance and is kind of like I need to control my body and get my body looking a certain way so that I can get the love and acceptance from others. So is this one of the biggest struggles you see? It's where because we don't have that worth and love within ourselves, we're looking for it externally. Absolutely. I see it so often where women are defining or how valuable they are by the clothes they wear, by how they look, other people's opinions, even even external to that is their job title, their success life. But bringing it back to body image, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal how many women hate on themselves and how it is all-consuming and it is completely affecting their happiness. I know I've got one client at the moment and she's not overweight by any means. She's probably a nice healthy size 10 and she has this massive um, binge eating slash starvation slash going to the gym every morning slash self-sabotage going on every day of her life and she's had it for 15 years. And for someone like that where she's just so consumed by that behavior and that self-hate and that um, obsession with her body image, it's just soul-destroying to see that. And I think as women, we can all relate to that on varying scales at different seasons in our life. Mm. And um, if I could look back on my younger self and offer her any advice, it would be to, exactly like you said, learn to love and accept yourself exactly as you are because the changes have to begin within. And I think that's even the first point is recognizing that what is going on, which which is causing all of this struggle and these problems and this control of our bodies and our lives, is that we are seeking these feelings that we so deeply want to feel, we're seeking them outside of ourselves. And as you said, we're using external measures uh, as our indicator of whether or not we're valuable and worthy. Now, I've, I've been on that journey. I was on that journey for most of my 20s as well. And I experienced firsthand how, um, you know, I know you say as well, it, it sets you up for failure. I mean, is that kind of the first realization when, when people start to make a change is like, hang on a second, this isn't actually even going to get me what I'm ultimately wanting. <laughs> Yeah, it's an awareness and I've got this change model that I use in so many different areas and to different levels, but it starts with awareness, then it's ownership and then it's Mm. transformation. So until you are fully aware of your thought patterns and your your core root cause feelings that's driving those thought patterns, you can't then take ownership for how you're responding. And so let's use binge eating as an example. In all of the cases with the women I've worked with, uh, fortunately, and I'm so blessed that this system has worked, I've had a 100% success rate in eliminating binge eating. And in each case, what I've noticed is that, and many people would relate to this, and I, I certainly did as well, it's such a trance-like state. You don't know what you're doing or you can't, through pure willpower, stop yourself reaching for that packet of biscuits or what's in the fridge or the whatever choosing to binge on and when I slow women down and get them to stop and ask themselves what are they feeling why are they feeling it that way where are they feeling it in their body so that they can drop out of their head and into their feelings because as you said most of the reason why we do this is because we're trying to avoid or deny or distract ourselves from our feelings and when they drop into their body and start to understand why they notice and recognize what they're really wanting is love, not not feeling alone, um, acceptance, all these really core things that they never actually saw before. So I think the, ver- the very first step is really gaining awareness, not on your thought patterns and the surface level stuff, because most women come in and I do, I self-sabotage, I just don't know how to change. And for anyone out there that's going through this, I would recommend to just pause and ask those questions to snap that mental state and drop into your body and get really aware of what is that driving force that you're trying to distract or fill up. 
That is so, that's such a beautiful starting point. I think that's really, really powerful because you're right. When this type of stuff is happening, and I've been in that space as well where I've been in those phases, um, I struggled with a lot with binge eating and diet and, you know, all restrictive stuff my whole 20s as well. Um, you're, you're unconscious. You're literally like in a trance, as you said. So the ability to, as you said, just stop yourself and to bring some consciousness to what you're thinking and feeling, to what you're experiencing in that moment is so, so beautiful. And again, do, uh, that, that next level, and this is obviously what you're guiding women towards and it's something that I've practiced myself, that next level of what am I really seeking here? For them to realize, and you probably see this massive empowerment that comes from even that realization, when you can realize that you're actually seeking something in that moment that you're trying to fill up with food. So where do people go from there when they're kind of like, oh, well, maybe what I'm seeking is to feel loved, is to feel safe, is to feel connected. Where do they kind of go from there? Mm, great question. So once they recognize this root cause and just a, a tip there, it's best to do this with a journal and pen because mm. if you try and do it in your mind, the the thought trance can kind of take over. So mm. you, you're walking towards the fridge, you want to stop, grab your journal and write these questions out. Um, once you recognize what that root cause is, I'm really feeling empty. I'm really feeling alone. The last question, second last question is, what can I do or how do I want to feel? So you ask yourself, how do I want to feel instead? Instead of feeling alone, how do I want to feel? And the answer is going to be different for everyone, but let's just say I'd like to feel um, like, like I matter, like someone cares. And then the last question is, so what can I do right now that's going to make me feel that way, which is like someone cares? And the key here is to take action because action overpowers thoughts action creates momentum into a different direction. So by asking yourself, how do I want to feel? And then taking action on exactly the way you want to feel immediately before your negative thoughts can come in and tell you to stop, then you're going to, it's, this is a two-pronged approach. The first approach is you're taking action, you'll call your best friend, you'll talk to her and she'll make you feel cared for. But it's a second, more psychological approach because what you're doing here is a thing called presuppositions. And what they are is you're presupposing to your brain that you said, I want to feel like I'm cared for and therefore how do I feel that? I need to call my best friend. So what happens is when you go and do that action, your brain, because you've told it that way, goes, oh, you said you wanted to feel this by calling a friend. So when you go and call a friend, your brain feels this. It's like a um, hypnotic programming that you have that you're kind of doing to yourself. You know, and I love that approach as well because this, I think this is about us learning how to meet our own needs and real, first of all, actually listening and listening enough to ourselves to some, kind of tune in and, and find out what we actually need. Because how many of us, I mean, I feel I've done this through my life, kind of go through life feeling like, oh, the world isn't meeting my needs, people aren't meeting my needs, you know, I don't feel how I want to feel. But the empowerment comes from recognizing you have the ability to give that to yourself. And I talk to people about, you know, learning to fill yourself up and top yourself up and meet your own needs. That's exactly what it is. Just listening to yourself and finding out a way in that moment to experience that feeling you're seeking. Absolutely. It's, I call it self-soothing. Yeah. And I think far too many people try to soothe by journal in whatever that addictive behavior or unhealthy behavior is. Um, but when you learn to self-soothe through self-compassion and like exactly like you said, filling yourself up without needing anyone else, it's such an empowering way to live because over time with practice, you start to recognize I'm the one that can choose how I feel at any given moment. And I'm the one who can meet my own needs. So I don't have to go spending my whole life, you know, putting pressure on my partner or expectations on other people to make me feel how I want to feel. Mm, absolutely. And just kind of jumping over from that when it, when it comes to relationships and mm. what women subconsciously do to manipulate um, in order to get what they want. And I see the breakdown of relationships and marriages when, with women that come to me. And when we kind of flip it around and they start owning their feelings and start honoring their husband, suddenly it's a completely different relationship. And all they did was change themselves. Right. That is, that's really cool because... 
I mean, I think it's this, it's this delicate balance though. I mean, you're married. So, you know, you've got this beautiful experience of maintaining, you know, a deep relationship like that. But it's this, do you find this beautiful balance between I'm feeling something that I need to express versus I'm projecting my crap onto someone else? (laughs) Oh, completely. And you know what? exactly the way that I discovered that process that I just told you about was through my own issue because Mm. many years ago this was when Matt and I were just dating or even fiancés and I was feeling I wasn't getting what I wanted and I was up here in my office and I I know full well it's my own stuff so I started asking myself feeling why am I feeling this way because I noticed around him I was putting on my angry pants poor feeling was the feeling of being unloved and when I did a mind detox session on myself and went back to childhood to the root cause what it actually came from interestingly and it's so fascinating the way this works don't ask me how but I got the impression that it was when I was born so when I was born I was born three months early which meant that I met spent three months in the hospital in a crib and I know that well dad tells me and mum tells me that they were there the whole time but for some reason when I got taken back to that point of when I very first felt unloved it was when I was it was cold and it was dark and I felt completely alone at that very first time in my life so it's fascinating that these deep core uh, beliefs I suppose I'm unloved I'm not good enough I'm abandoned I'm rejected all these deep core um, beliefs that you might discover when you start doing these kind of feelings process it's all directly linked back to our past. Um, that's a whole other conversation, mm. but it was interesting when I actually did that on myself. I realized Matt wasn't the cause of any of this and that it was my own stuff, and that's where a huge amount, like we don't even argue anymore because I own my stuff. I help through my language for him to own his stuff, and the conversations are effective or we both know, okay, let's just walk away and deal with our stuff separately. And there's not all that underlying insecurity going on because, you know, when you're in that space and you, maybe you're reflecting from the past, when you've been in that space where you you feel a bit insecure and so you're constantly kind of watching your partner's actions and their words and what they're doing to help you feel secure in the relationship and help you feel like you are loved and you are valuable. And I feel like that is a massive issue that plays out in relationships. So you're saying own your stuff and fill yourself up and and work on your own self-worth so that his actions or what he's doing, what he is doing isn't um, sort of a measure of your own value and worth. Absolutely. And there is so many layers to this. Mm-hmm. Um, where do we start? So I suppose because men we know are just, they, they kind of say it how it is. There's no hidden agendas. And so, but we make hidden agendas by what we look for. And I think the first element here is to be mindful of the baggage you're dragging into your relationship. I know for me, my past partner cheated on me. And so when I first got with Matt, I was looking for all of these things. And what you look for, you find, because you start making up these stories in your head. And it got to the point where I thought, you know what, if he cheats, I'm out. And I actually told him that. I said, if you cheat, there's no questions, I'm out. So whether that got some fear in him or I don't know. So from that moment, I made the decision that no matter what, like, and I'm the one that's going to leave and that that gave me a huge sense of empowerment obviously if it ever happened I don't know what I would have done it might have been different depends how valuable I found that relationship because this was right in the beginning but I think when you can switch it around and go okay a little bit of self-respect a little bit of self-worth here you can always just be the best person you can be and you can never control someone's actions or behaviors and I think by letting that responsibility go it's a huge amount of relief in itself. Well, you can when you um, when you know what is right for you. As you said, you made it quite clear when you know what's right for you and sort of what your values are in a relationship and what's important to you, um, and you know then how to meet your own needs. You can kind of let that person off the hook. You can kind of say, you know, this is what I will and won't kind of 
accept or tolerate in a relationship. But apart from that, you just be yourself and I'm going to be myself and we're going to come together and play and that's the basis of our relationship. Oh, I love that. That that is so true. Even just in the women I work with, what goes through their heads when they're with their boyfriends and how that shows on their energy in their face. Mm. And so many times they've communicated to me that the, the men that they've been with or have broken up with them have said, why couldn't you just enjoy our time together? Why did you have to worry about marriage, babies, if I was cheating, all these things that we're, we that these girls were connected to? And the feedback was the same. They said, you know what, if, I, if only one particular girl, her ex-boyfriend said, if you were just enjoyable in the moment every time, then maybe we might have gotten married. It was a on you. You weren't happy. I weren't. I wasn't. Are you there, Debbie? Sorry, I lost you. No, I'm here. Okay, beautiful. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Sorry, the the connection was cutting in and out a little bit, so I just lost you at the end there. But in that, so in those points where a, wom- a woman is experiencing this in her relationship, because this is just so powerful. I hear this a lot in relationships as well. So a woman's kind of in that experience of this insecurity and she knows she's sabotaging a relationship and she's like, oh my gosh, I'm being a psycho and I don't want to be like this. <laughs> is, it this is it a similar practice around what you're recommending with food? Is, is that sort of what you would even recommend around something like relationships as well? Completely. That 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 process that I the questions I went through, which I call the feelings process, um, use it any time you feel a negative emotion, because any time you're feeling a negative emotion, you're re- reacting off a. So you know that it's not empowering, it's not effective. And so, and because it's a, a reaction and it's a negative reaction and we know that it's from the past, it's up to you to kind of find out where that belongs and heal the past, forgive, let go um, and any type of hurt. We need to let that stuff go because every time that, we, that someone does something and we negatively react, then it's just bouncing off our old baggage. So the feelings process allows you to really delve in and what it does is move you from a negative state to a positive state instantly. And when you do this process, it's really important to let go of the story. Let go of the story you're telling yourself in your mind. Just see it as this is what I'm feeling. How do I want to feel instead? Go and feel that way. There is another element where when you find the root cause, yes, that needs to be dealt with. If you have an underlying feeling of I'm, I'm not worthy, I'm not important, then, yeah, that does need to be dealt with. Um, but in, in the moment when you can own that stuff and then put come some things in place where you can self-soothe, then you don't rely on your husband or your partner to give you exactly what we spoke about before, what you feel you need. Mm. That process of going back to, you know, the root cause, it's, it's a really big process. And um, I, w- I always encourage people, and you probably do the same, to really use your, your relationships, these phenomenal teachers, right? These phenomenal opportunities to see yourself. And I think that's one of the, the most empowering places you can start is to, to really start to observe and notice yourself. If you want to start to see what are some of your core underlying patterns and, and trigger points and the buttons that get pushed in you by that person, start to notice, as you said, what you react to, what the pain points are in you and, and use this person as your teacher to help you see that within yourself rather than just projecting it back onto them. And that's where you can kind of begin to get that awareness and maybe even start journaling through what comes up around that for you absolutely and I I really think it comes down to an element which is lost in today's society which is personal responsibility Mm. I think far too many of us are subconsciously or consciously put um, blame and planning and resentment and they did that therefore I feel this Um, and we're holding on to all of these hurts and, and judgments about people either in the past or the present and it doesn't help us at all to have these judgments and to hold on to these kind of pain points so I think what you said is ideal in that when you get triggered by going away and taking that personal responsibility and self-soothing through journaling and understanding why you're feeling that way and then healing those pain points wow that's just it's just going to make you um, be able to share such beautiful relationships because you've learned to master your emotions mm-hmm. And this is a practice of self-love. This is learning how to love for yourself, care for yourself, pay attention to yourself, 
you know, work on yourself. And and I always say to people, you know, I think sometimes people turn self-love into this glamorous destination and it's this thing where you're like happy all the time and you never feel upset about anything. But, you know, self-love, I think exactly what you're talking about are these it's the way you would care for a friend who was going through this stuff. It's the way you would care for a child who was struggling with something. It's that heart energy for yourself. I mean, and I feel like what we're talking about is is practicing self-love. Yeah, definitely. Because how many, and you would know this, Connie, with your clients, how many women just reject themselves and hate on themselves and have negative thoughts and resist them instead of turning it around kindness and self-compassion on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. And we all know what we resist persists and goes. So by giving your power away to this negative thoughts, belief systems, feelings, it doesn't solve the problem. And I think exactly what you said in this whole practice of self-love and self-compassion, it completely transforms your inner world where you no longer resist yourself and you're now kind of co-cooperating with yourself. Mm, and you start to open your heart to yourself. You start to be gentle with yourself. And, and, and as you said before, rejection. You know what I find so fascinating is I've had experiences in relationships where I felt rejected. And I, I know this is, goes on with a lot of women as well. But we really have to own up to the fact, well, where are we rejecting ourselves? How can we expect anyone to fully embrace and love us unconditionally, all parts of us, if we're not doing that within ourselves and all we're doing is rejecting parts of ourselves. Mm, and it really creates a, a horrible energy when, and I, I know this from feedback from the girls that the boyfriends have given them, mm. they've just, the boyfriends have said to them, you're not happy, you're so insecure, all you worry about is how you look. And they, that really affects the relationship and it really affects obviously the self-esteem. So if we can switch that around where we focus on, well, firstly, recognizing nobody's perfect and there is no such thing as perfection and embracing our flaws and embracing and celebrating our great points as well. That full kind of self-acceptance really just feels so much softer. And when we fill ourselves up, then suddenly we can be the best we can be. Because, And you'll notice this too, Connie. I know I used to have it. When you're so self-focused on your own insecurities, in a way, it's kind of selfish because your your mind is so consumed in you, in not an egotistical way, but in a, a self-rejection way, that how can you show up and be your best to those around you, to those you love, to your career? Mm. You can't be present with anyone and you actually can't fully connect because you're in yeah. your head and, and we spend most of our time in our head being so self-conscious and, and wondering, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right things? Is this person like me? That we miss the ability to be in our heart and connect with another. That definitely gets in the way of a relationship. In childhood, there are these three uh, main areas in our lives and one's not six, the second is six to 12 and the last is 12 to 21. And these are three main areas of our life where our belief systems are formed around our identity or in other words, who we think we are, what we believe to be true about ourselves. And when things happen, which they do as we're kids, whether it's in the schoolyard or at home and we get hurt or we get rejected or we don't get the response that we want, we start to put up this kind of invisible barrier. And it's so interesting as we get older and start to, to understand ourselves that one barrier that we put up to prevent feeling re rejected and hurt is the one thing that's preventing us from feeling connected and loved today. Oh, Debbie, I, I have to share with you. I have just um, ended a relationship with someone. Well, he ended it with me, actually. <laughs> a relationship with someone. It was just a three-month thing, and it was it was so beautiful in the time we were together. But no one has ever pushed this particular button in me where I have a tendency to close down when I feel vulnerable, and a lot of us do this. And it was just because it was a very intense, fast-moving relationship, and I was forced to have to open up really quick, and I... I struggled with it and I, and I was quite closed and I, it was a really big learning experience for me because I looked back and out of the fear of opening, out of the fear of being fully seen and the fear of letting someone get really close to me, I ended up pushing this person away and, and lost the relationship and, and I will take responsibility for my part and there was other stuff that went on as well but isn't it so funny we all sit there with this 
deep desire to connect, to be seen, to be loved, yet we have these unconscious patterns that actually block the very thing we want to experience. Mm, spot on. And thank you for sharing that story. I am sure can relate to it and now with this with this new information hopefully some new awareness mm -hmm. about the own patterns that they experience and what I really love about relationships and the way that I share with my clients when they're going through these different kind of relationships and they've not yet found someone even to the point of where you might be married now it's really important to recognize this is completely my belief that I believe people come into our life to mold us into the character that we're supposed to be yes and especially in a relationship, they, they show a mirror to our biggest flaws sometimes. And it can, be, it can be lonely and it can be hurtful. But when we spin it around exactly like you have and we recognize that's a flaw in my character, that's what I need to work on, then suddenly relationships can be beautiful things if we're willing to be vulnerable and humble and notice the areas where we just need to do some character tweaking in order for us to become a better person. And it's so important, like what I've had to do in that situation is not beat up on myself even more because there's a tendency to then be like, oh my God, I'm so flawed and what's wrong with me? And you know, you can mm -hmm. even attack yourself more. All I did in that situation was once I got the awareness was like, okay, from now on, I'm going to practice openness. I'm going to practice being open. This is my new practice. So everywhere I go, I've got the intention when I'm walking down the street, am I open? Am I looking at people? Is my body open? Am I talking to people? Am I connecting? Am I letting people in? And it's just now something that I've chosen to practice based on the awareness that I had. And it doesn't have to be this you know, now I'm I, I criticizing myself, you kind of take the awareness and you create this new idea of what, of who you want to be. And, and I know there will be an opportunity where I will practice, where I will probably manifest another teacher to come along and I'll have the opportunity to practice being open in a relationship, but that's all it is. We've got our training wheels on and we're learning new ways of being, right? Mm, that is so powerful and such a great lesson there for any women who are struggling with some self-criticism about a, a behavior they have or something they've done, where you have the responsibility to turn that around and, and move forward differently because we know what happens if we don't learn from it. We just It just shows up again and again and again. Yes. And the sooner that we can learn from it, the sooner can help overcome that um, part of us. And I think it's important to remember that flawed we all have these things inside of us that are imperfect and the more we can humble ourselves and be vulnerable with everyone and drop the masks that we're perfect and everything's okay the more that we can just be real mm. that's and that's how you truly connect I mean you would know the work of Brene Brown that says mm. the only way you can truly have connection is through vulnerability mm, but so many women weakness and it is it does it is hard and maybe your voice will shake or maybe you'll feel that resistance through your chest when you go and speak how you really feel but like riding a bike it takes practice and practice and every time you say yes to yourself you are getting stronger and stronger in your self-worth mm. and at the end of the day I think it really is about it's our own journey like relationships are beautiful and it's super important to have them and but, I, you know, it can be really easy for your attention just to go peel in on that person. But to remember your life journey is about you and your evolution. So, um, you know, even if that particular relationship didn't work, you still grew as a person and that's still the most important thing. Absolutely. And the way I see it is that we always upgrade. There's yes. never a time when I've been with someone and thought, oh, they, they, these guys, this is worse than the one before. Yes. We always upgrade. So if you are single at the moment or you, you, you are not in a good relationship and you're thinking of breaking up with them, just know you'll never settle for anything less. You'll grab the great points and you'll add on to them until um, you, you know, find someone who does resonate with you. And it comes back to self-worth, doesn't it? Because it's about having the self-worth to say, I know what I deserve in a relationship and I know the woman I want to be in a relationship and, and, and I know I can call that in because I deserve it. Ah, oh, amen. Yeah. <laughs> what about, how does this play out then also in things like our career and our finances? So, you know, we're talking self-worth and, and there's, you know, this massive impact that it has on our relationships with people. But what about like our relationships with, yeah, career, pursuing opportunities, setting up a business, making money? What do you see as sort of the connection of all of that? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? Even just relating back to my own story, I the, the business I chased in my late 20s was completely related around wealth and success and celebrities and money, and, and it was totally ego-driven. And I did not realize it at the time. It's, I thought that's what I wanted. But I was also very insecure and thought that money led to significance and importance, which is what I feel I wasn't. So it was only in hindsight that I look back and go that I know exactly why I wanted that general manager of Australia title and I know exactly why I wanted to be around that wealth and status. And now having healed that area, I couldn't give a crap about that kind of stuff. So I think it's really important and the lesson I wanted to share is when you're going after something in your career and your success, always question what is your intention and if your intention comes from fear, is it I'm not good enough, I want to be better, time's running out, I've got to be successful, I don't have enough money. If it's coming from fear, you know it's coming from the wrong place. Mm. But if your intention's coming from love, if it's coming from I can't wait to work for this company and give my all and help them make a difference in the world or I can't wait to start my business and get my voice out there, I know it can help people, then you know that's the path you want to walk down. So again, it's bringing it back even through the feelings process to understand what's your motivation for chasing. That would be the, the career side. And the money side, oh, that's a fascinating subject because I believe our own self-worth is directly related to our net worth because our net worth is directly related to our relationships. And unless you learn to respect yourself and show up and respect and honor others, you may not see success in your business or your career because money comes through people. So that's where all the whole self-worth relationships, career, business are tied in together. So let's bring it back just to the money side of things. So fascinating in a, in a business point of view from what we're working with. When you, when you have a business that is you, it can be so difficult to put yourself out there and it can be the biggest money blocker of all because your energy is fear of rejection, not being good enough, and that can just stop clients right at your door. Yeah. So I think it's really important from a money perspective is to recognize money is energy. Money comes through service. Money comes when you give and serve on a higher level. It's really important to never devalue yourself, to always charge what you're worth. Um, and even not charge what you're worth, charge the value. I know if we bring it back to charge what you're worth, if your self-worth isn't all that good, you're going to devalue yourself. Charge the value you give. And if for anyone that's starting a business, perhaps in the coaching service area, you're going to recognize this after you just start working with a number of clients and getting results and getting great testimonials to recognize how you can with your finances and what you're charging for your services. So I think it's an evolution and I think it does come down to valuing yourself and respecting yourself because if you don't, you're going to find that energy just kind of stops everything in its tracks. Do you think it's also partially about learning how to receive? Because I've noticed that with women, you know, receiving is a very feminine energy and a lot of us have kind of got into the, you know, the outputting and the doing and the giving energy and, and sometimes find it a little bit harder to receive, to maybe receive money for our services um, and to feel worthy and deserving of receiving. Do you see that playing out for people a lot? That's something I've really had to work on is, you know, being able to feel um, comfortable receiving, whether it's attention, receiving affection, receiving love, receiving money. That was a big area of work for me. Mm, that's a really interesting point. I know if we bring it over to money, one of my mentors once said, it, it doesn't matter how much value you give, it always comes into how much value they receive. And that's one thing that you can never control. So, for example, you could show up and produce an amazing event and give all of your give all of you and everyone in that audience will gain the value of the event differently, depending on their perceptions and their past and all of that. So, from a business perspective, that really helped me in charging what I or not what I'm worth, but charging money and really showing up in that I can't control what people take away or the way they receive this. All I can control is how much I give of myself. So that would be the career side from the relationship side in terms of receiving. Yeah, that's a really fascinating area, isn't it? I, I haven't struggled with that. So I can't even provide any guidance on what it's like not to be comfortable receiving. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, my goodness. That's really interesting. Um, I didn't even realize I 
I struggled with it until I was with this particular person uh, who was a phenomenal teacher for me, obviously, who was a real giver. He was a real giver and loved to pay for me and loved, um, very affectionate, very giving, you know, just in so many different ways and very free with the compliments and his, you know, what he thought of me. And, and I, I didn't even, I didn't know how to receive it. I felt, um, I felt really uncomfortable with someone giving to me and me having to sit there and say, oh, okay. I, I kind of felt like I had to be doing something in return. I always wanted to try to contribute so the bill was 50-50. And, um, and, I, and I had to really work to open up to receive his compliments and his attention and very intense eye contact, this guy, very confident guy, to be able to receive that as well. It was something that was very new and again it's this was this ability to open and receive and feel worthy and deserving of that level of attention and affection I suppose. Mm, and did you ever dig to understand what the underlying root cause was as to why you felt uncomfortable? Oh I, look I've started to explore it I wouldn't say I am clear on exactly where it came from but I think it does really come down to fully being seen by someone and feeling um, worthy and deserving of that level of um, generosity or that, that level of attention. But, mm. but I felt for me the more that I work on presence and um, loving and valuing myself, I feel like I can feel worthy and deserving of that and stand in that and say, as a woman, it's beautiful to receive and just really open my energy. So I suppose it's an ongoing practice, but have you, have you do encounter that ever with the women that you work with? No. And that's why I was so, because yeah. it can be of I don't deserve this, but not ever actually communicated in exactly that way, wow. which I just think is, is um, yeah, it's so interesting. And I, I think you're, antidote to that which is being present and standing in your kind of worth and value is is key because so so many of us need to take captive those thoughts and we don't need to pay attention to every thought that comes in or every feeling because it can lead us down a wrong path or a, or a story and I think what you say there where you kind of stand in the present and own it it means that you're kind of letting go of those stories that's causing you to feel that way. Yeah, and I think it was also partially challenging a bit of a story I have about being a strong, independent woman uh, and kind of priding myself on being financially able to pay my way and being able to contribute to things. And, and he was very much in his masculine energy, which really dropped me into my feminine, which was learning how to be soft and let the man do the gentlemanly things. And it was actually a very different way of being, but it was really beautiful. Mm, oh, I love that. What a powerful lesson for you. Yes. <laughs> it was massive. But interesting, you might you might find you might start manifesting clients now to come through because this is um it's it's funny how our clients reflect kind of what we're at because I tend to manifest clients that work through struggles with receiving isn't it interesting oh my gosh that is so fascinating <laughs> I found that it's almost every single client session the thing that they wanted to work through it uh, and I'd be like okay that was what was on my mind yesterday yes it's so it's not surprising that I've never had someone who has trouble uh, receiving. Well, that's beautiful, Debbie. I love that you have. And it's, it, receiving, I think, is just one of the most beautiful things you can practice. <laughs> Thank you. So from your perspective. I have my own stuff that I struggle with that gets fed back to me. So. <laughs> but from your perspective, if we were just to sort of explore what the mindset is that makes you so comfortable with receiving. Mm, what a great question. <laughs> um, what makes me feel so comfortable? I suppose there's an, uh, I have no problem with worthiness or deserving mm. for, for, for whatever reason in my childhood, there's no wounds there or things that have happened where I don't feel worthy or don't feel deserving. I am really neutral. You say that yeah. and I feel really neutral about receiving. I feel it as a, gra a gratitude and a blessing and a thankfulness. Beautiful. And I, you know, even that being that as a mindset to take on board, where what was something I had to practice, which was just being incredibly grateful and just opening up and feeling appreciative of the gifts that were coming my way. 
Mm, absolutely. And just uh, and touching on that point, it was in- interesting when you, you brought up what is the mindset of the thoughts. Mm. I think it's so key here to kind of separate the belief system, which is in the body and the feelings, mm. and the mind, which is the thoughts. And women will be able to relate to this because of self-sabotage. The self-sabotage is very much the thoughts. You're thinking, again, with the binge eating, I'm not going to eat that, I'm not going to eat that, I'm not going to eat that. That's in our thoughts. But the feeling in the body and the belief system that's driving it, which is your subconscious, is so much stronger than the conscious. So I suppose anyone that struggles with um, the mindset and, like you said, focusing on the gratitude, what would you recommend knowing that you're going to be in that situation to bring that into a bodily feeling rather than a mindset so that you you can actually feel grateful as opposed to think gratitude? Mm. Well, I... My own practice now that I'm kind of on my own uh, and not in a relationship is when I'm in sort of my meditation or when I'm in a practice that gets me into my body, whether it's after yoga or dancing, you know, really helps. So I start by by doing something that actually connects me with my body, first of all, and that starts to drop me into the feminine and starts to drop me into my heart and into that feeling space. And I'm at the moment just really working on my relationship with myself and feeling I'm learning how to give to myself and receive from myself and give compliments and give affection and give um, care and kind thoughts and actually receive that from myself and feel that and really just focusing on my value and what is incredible about me and appreciating myself. And, and I think the more that I top that up within myself, I know that when I show up now with someone there won't even have to be really a heady process about it, I guess, because I'll be feeling those feelings already, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does, and you've, you've got the awareness already where next time it shows up, it's already going to be different. Mm, I feel that. But then mm. you have a beautiful opportunity to be like, okay, I've got to practice this new way of being <laughs> with this person now. <laughs> and I think that's a really great point. And I suppose if we do bring it back to mindset to a certain extent, it's really important when we're with other people, boyfriend, friends, social situation, to get super aware and slow down our thinking. And when we get triggered, just ask ourselves, what is really here? And even if you have to take yourself away to the bathroom and just ask yourself, what is going on? And you'll notice when you settle into that space, you'll notice the tightness in your chest or the feeling in your belly. And your mind will tell you what what is actually going on. And I think that's going to really help you avoid the outbursts, the reactions, the saying the wrong thing when Mm. someone didn't mean what they meant, all those kind of things that kind of get us into arguments and trouble Um, by really taking that ownership and saying what is really going on here and dropping it into your body is a perfect way to understand and then self-soothe and respond very differently. That's so true. I mean, I think ultimately it comes down to a fear of being rejected or not being good enough or, you know, having that person get close to me and not see something they don't like or whatever. But when you, as you said, when you're self-soothing and when you're comforting yourself and supporting yourself, that fear kind of subsides. And so even you had to take those moments to just go and have that little practice with yourself is so beautiful. Mm, Definitely. And really kind of call yourself on your own bullshit. Mm. And if you're are feeling rejected just go so I'm going to feel rejected is does that define me is that going to change my life like really bring it into perspective and call your call yourself on your own thoughts and even to say to myself or anyone else who is experiencing this well then where am I rejecting myself right now because that's probably what's happening is in my mind I'm rejecting some part of myself and thinking that that person's going to be doing the same yeah, definitely, definitely. And that brings a huge level of awareness. Mm. And I think one of the biggest themes from this whole conversation, and I believe it's the first step to change, is getting so aware of your thoughts mm. and your patterns and your feelings through journaling and through being mindful and present so that you can start unraveling this mystery that is our mind, subconscious, mind, body type connection. Yeah, so, so true. Now, Debbie, you and I have just been talking and talking and talking and I've realized, wow, this has just been the most beautiful conversation. I feel like I could keep diving so deep with you because there are so many layers to this, but I'm aware of the time and I'm aware that we've already um, 
just gone so, so deep into this. So thank you so much. It's just been incredible to speak to you. I feel like I've been coached a little bit myself through this conversation, <laughs> which has just been so nice. Um, and just to wrap up, I just wanted to, you know, wrap up the conversation. Um, I would just love to hear your perspective on the relationship between self-worth and our purpose in life. I know a lot of us are seeking a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, something, you know, and sometimes we seek it through our career, but what do you feel is this relationship between our own self-worth and, and our life and our purpose? I think that's a, it's a twofold question because we can, we can see purpose as our life calling mm. and we can see purpose as when I bring, I suppose, purpose, self-worth entwined, the way that I uh, see that is how you show up. So when we compromise ourselves and we don't speak our mind and we allow others to walk all over us and we um, kind of shrink in that lack of self-worth, we're not living a purpose-driven life. We're not, we're not owning a conversation. We're not owning a situation. We're not communicating our needs. So I believe the link, if we, if we put the calling and the life purpose over on the shelf and bring it back to what is it that we can do to just to show up in life on purpose every moment of the day? And I believe this is directly linked to our self-worth and our value and all the things that are important to us because when you understand what you stand for, what you believe in, who you are and the life that you want to live day to day, you're less likely to compromise and become a people pleaser or push and pull in others' expectations and opinions. You're more likely to live on purpose. And I think even just that mental shift, um, and it's a process, but that mental shift and then stepping out each day on purpose, that in itself will have a knock-on effect through your whole entire life and will start shifting things immediately. Mm, that's so beautiful. I love that perspective and that's something that can happen right now. It's not like a destination that, oh, this is my life purpose that I'm going to get to in 20 years. This is like, no, it's how I'm showing up right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you can practice this in your own self-worth with relationships with your children in your job. Showing up on purpose with a strength of character as a woman is a, something that one, I'm so passionate about cultivating in my clients to really stand strong in your integrity and your honesty and your values takes a load of courage and confidence, but it's the only way to live. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Debbie, this has been such an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for your time. I've loved your perspectives. I've loved the practicality of what you share. And I just think women are going to get so much value from this. So, so thank you so much for your time. And before, you, uh, before we wrap up, can you share with us anything that you're working on at the moment, anything coming up over the next couple of months? What can people expect from you? Yeah, great. Um, so what do I have coming up? I've got a retreat in Port Douglas, which is probably the most deep dive of my work. If you're really running, wanting to transform your self-worth um, and really dig into that God-given purpose or calling. And I've got um, some mini retreats and VIP days happening, one in uh, Palm Beach and one in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, that's happening in October and November, respectively. And then really just focusing on creating all of the exciting projects for 2015, which I'm going to keep a little bit hush-hush at the moment. <laughs> um, but everyone's welcome to come and say hello on my Facebook page and, and I'd love to hear people's thoughts about this uh, conversation in your comments box below. And I'd, I'd be more than happy to jump on and answer any questions that anyone has where they might need some clarification on some issues. Beautiful, beautiful, Debbie. Thank you so, so much for your time. It's just been incredible and um, I've loved this conversation and I know people will get so much out of it. So um, thank you to everyone who has tuned in today to listen as well. I really hope this has been supportive for you and please do leave some comments if you want some additional support from Debbie and, and pop over and read more of her work as well. And thank you for tuning into Awaken Radio and I look forward to connecting with you again in next week's episode. Bye.